Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, today we're celebrating what we're going to do. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together in just a little bit. Um, So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Thirty-seven through thirty-four. Sorry, my voice sounds a little hoarse. All those chemtrails. I'm just kidding. It's a good thing we're taking communion tonight. (laughs) amen yeah we got thrown in youtube jail again for medical misinformation it's crazy the lord's been really dealing with me about a lot of stuff and uh the first thought in my head was i should sue these people but then the lord brought me back to the word and was like no you can't do that amen I was like, how does, you know, it's like our, how does our First Amendment right violate your community guidelines? We should be able to say what we want to say. There's freedom of speech. And there's also freedom of the press. I'm not an official press, but I mean, like, you know, almost an independent journalism type of style of thing. It's like, how can you censor that? Because it violates your community guidelines. Your community guidelines don't operate within the Bill of Rights. Amen. Anyways, oh well, who cares? Praise God. First Corinthians chapter 11. So tonight we're going to celebrate with communion. Um, there's a lot of speculation. I was, I was doing some research. I've heard about this before, but some speculate. You know, if you don't know what this is, this is Holy Week. This is when we celebrate the last week that Jesus was on the earth. Sunday, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Amen which I'll tell everybody, I'm glad the kids are in here, that the number one thing we celebrate is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Sunday's about. That's what it's about. Amen. We may do some other fun things, but it's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, some say, you know, um, we're going to read that before Jesus was taken into captivity, he shared a last meal, the last supper, the Passover meal with his disciples where he took the bread, he took the cup, he washed their feet. And that's what we're celebrating tonight. Um, some say that it, it actually took place on Wednesday. I was reading one article earlier that said that it took place on Wednesday, April 1st, um, Wednesday, April 1st, 33 AD. 
Wednesday, April 1st, 33 AD. Others speculate that it took place on Thursday, that they ate the meal on Thursday, and that Jesus then was crucified on Friday, which is why we celebrate Good Friday. But then you got other theologians that say he wasn't crucified on Friday because, you know, he was in the grave for three days and three nights. Friday to Saturday is what? One day? Saturday to Sunday morning is definitely not three days, right? And so... Uh, there's others that actually say, well, he was crucified on like a Wednesday. So it'd be like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then first thing, Sunday morning, resurrected. <clears throat> Amen. So either way, whether he, whether he did it on a Wednesday, whether he did it on Thursday, this is what we're celebrating nonetheless. And most importantly, we're celebrating the resurrection on Sunday. I can't wait for that. It's going to be amazing. Praise the Lord. Well, guys, I'm just glad everybody came tonight. We're going to worship the Lord tonight with his word and pour our hearts out and just give him honor and praise. And, you know, it's easy just to go through the motions and everybody has their own life, their own jobs, their kids, everything. I understand. But it's, it's so important just for us to position our hearts and make time, right? It's like even if the flesh... My flesh doesn't want to worship the Lord. Well, your flesh never wants to worship the Lord. So you just make time and you do it anyways. Right? Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 24. Apostle Paul says, But in the following instructions I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that those who have God's approval will be recognized. Verse 20, when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. So let me give some context into what was happening here. So in the early church, they didn't only take the Lord's Supper together, they celebrated what was known as a love feast. A love feast is when, it's like our version of a potluck, what we do today is with a potluck. In the love feast, everybody would come, and basically everybody would bring a dish with them. And then as a church, they would just celebrate, and they would eat all this food together, fellowship, and at the end of it, they would take the Lord's Supper. They'd take communion with the bread, with the wine. And so... You know, the way that it actually worked was the rich, people that had more money, more substance, more food, they would bring, you know, they would really load up and they would go and they would bless the people. And then the people that were poor in the church or didn't have as much would be able to come and basically partake of the overflow that those that had more would bring. So what Paul's actually rebuking them for is that the rich people were coupling up in the church. The rich people were getting together and having, you know, their meals before anybody else got there. So you started having little sections forming the church where now the poor and the more neglected members of the body were showing up and like all the food's gone. The rich had already gotten eaten and were, were getting drunk on the communion wine and Paul's rebuking them for it right here. So that kind of gives some context. He's saying, man, you guys, what are you doing? You're missing the whole point of this. The whole point of, of, of the church, the main thing is we should love one another, right? 
And I think that that's also important to say that, guys, Christianity, this is, a, this is one element of Christianity. The church, like the gathering where we come and we submit to the teaching of God's word, that's only one element of Christianity. A major element of Christianity is our actual relationships with one another, our fellowship, the way that we love one another, the way that we serve one another, we commit to one another, we pray for one another. We give to one another. We help one another. We bear one another's burdens, the Bible says. Many different one another's in the scripture. And that's one of the most profound elements of Christianity that Jesus said is actually the true mark that the world will know that you're my disciples when they see your love for one another. So you can imagine, especially in the early church, when, when everybody's doing their own thing, they have this group of people called the Christians who are getting together and the, the rich are giving to the poor and they're just fellowshipping all together. There is no race. There is no black. There is no white. There is no, back in that, those days, they actually had legalized slavery, uh, slavery. It wasn't just like black or white. You know, basically you could be an indentured servant. So, but whenever it came down to church, everyone was equal. Amen. In fact, that's why the Bible actually says to greet each other with a holy kiss. Anybody ever read that? Like, what the heck is that? All right. Let's kiss. Part of the reason that they would do that, some, some churches, they'd kiss on the cheek. In other ones, they'd actually kiss each other on the mouth. I'm like, some of the worst germs are past, man. I need to take, if we're going to do that, I'm taking communion immediately after. <laughs> the stripes of Jesus cancels this in Jesus' name. Some of y'all, I don't know if you brush your teeth twice a day or what. Who knows? But th th they would greet each other with a holy kiss because it showed equality. It showed no matter who you were, no matter if you were rich, no matter if you were poor, if you were white, if you were black, if you were yellow, slave, free, it didn't matter. There was equality. And so the world would see that, that these, this group of people that truly love one another. Uh, and it was, it was a sign to them. It was like unlike anything that they saw. But you don't really see that element as much in Christianity today. Now Christianity is just everyone mostly living their individual lives. And then we kind of come together for a, a, a service. And the service are so cookie cutter. Guys, I'm going to tell you too. Obviously the lost is welcome in the church. But the church gathering is meant for the believer predominantly. Are you guys with me? It's not meant to be just for the lost and everything catered. All right, we got to get it all down to. It's like a metronome, you know. Who's ever played to like a click track, a metronome before? All right. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. All right, it's ready to do the dance. Now we got to all turn and we're putting on this big show, you know, to connect with all these people. But that's not really the predominant focus of the church. Really what the church should be doing is loving one another winning souls, and bringing people into your lives outside of these four walls. You know, we should be, as Christians, bringing people into our homes, bringing, not like, now I'm not telling you go let people move into your homes. You know, don't do that. But bring them in, like it, connecting, reaching out to people, bringing them into your lives, and then when you bring them into your lives, then you can bring them into the church. And they're not being won over by service, they're being won over by you. And um, that's very important. 
Because one of the elements I'll talk about is truly this unity in the body. But anyway, so that's what they were doing. Paul rebuked them for that. He says in verse 22, what? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you. For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord took some of the bread. And he gave thanks to God for it. We'll come back to this. I'm going to read this through. He gave thanks to God for it and he broke it into pieces and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after the supper saying, This is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworth- unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. There's many elements of that. We know one element I've taught on a lot. The Bible says you've not discerned. The right word is you've, you failed to discern, means separate, make distinction of the Lord's body. So there's one element of they were getting together religiously. They were starting to take communion. Uh, the Lord's Supper, and they weren't really engaging their faith. What did the blood of Jesus do for me? What did the body of Christ, what price did he pay with his body? What promise is given to me by the atonement of the sacrifice of Christ? Am I really using my faith to possess what Jesus did for me? He said, many of you aren't. You're just doing this religiously. You're just doing this routinely. You're not doing this with your faith engaged. And then number two, you're disgracing the Lord's body. That was how they were shaming the poor. They weren't walking in love. This is something that we share, you know, that's supposed to be intimate together. So he goes on to say, that is why. Anyone who, drink, anyone who eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthy is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself. Before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ. You are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So he says you should examine yourself. So we'll talk about that. Tonight we're going to take some time before we do this and I want you to examine yourself. And I'll give you three areas to truly examine yourself. You guys hear music? Is that in the nursery? Yeah, when you're, okay, so it goes on to say, did anybody else hear that? Carissa heard it, okay. I guess I don't need uh, healing for my ears, right? (laughs) No, it wasn't angels. It was like some like, song. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. That is why many of you are weak, many of you are sick, and some have even died. So there's several aspects of this that we'll look at, but obviously one element is they weren't 
they weren't partaking of this in faith, so they were weak, they were sick, they were died. We know that Jesus paid a price with his body for our healing, right? So if you don't walk in faith to receive that promise, what's the result of that? You're going to be weak, you're going to be sick, you're going to, be, you're going to die. You could die prematurely for not, by faith, laying hold of that promise. But I also think to another uh, element of it is the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, that the way that we remain in fellowship with God is by obeying him. And then he says, and this is my command, believe in the name of the Lord and love each other as I've commanded you. So I think that there's another element of when you walk outside of fellowship with God, you're going to be void of the promises of the atonement. Are you guys with me? So because they, they weren't walking in love, Right. They got out of love, they got selfish, they got greedy. They totally missed what this whole thing was about. And because of that, they reaped the result of the flesh, which is corruption. And he says, some are weak, some are sick, and some have even died. Can we read through that in the, um, in the uh, Amplified? Let's put the same text up in the Amplified. being slow okay I want you guys to go back to verse 24 we'll read some verses here there's two parts of this and I know the crowd I'm talking to you've been taught this you know these things but I just want to fresh remind you as we honor the Lord tonight in verse 24 see if I can do this My hands are clean, don't worry. But you know, the the Bible, I also, like, I I decided tonight this was special. I wanted to take communion this way. I know this isn't like a giant cracker. You know, this is a real, this is some real homemade sourdough. Amen. This is going to be good. But, um, you know, the Bible says that they, they ate of one, loaf together they drank of one cup showing that they were one body we're one body amen we're one body and so the night of the passover jesus took the bread and he broke it I told my wife, I said, man, I need to work out because I keep fasting and I like it. You, it, you lose all your muscle. <laughs> but he took it and he told his disciples, he said, this is my body. Verse 24. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Another translation, this was my body, which was given. Another translation says, this was my body, which was marred for you, given for you. Amen. So Isaiah 52, 14. About the body of Christ, it says, but many were amazed when they saw him, Jesus. 
His face was so disfigured that he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. So Jesus was marred. He was beaten. It it goes on to say, Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Though we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment of his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Not only was he beaten, not only was he whipped, but it actually says again in Isaiah 52 that his face was so disfigured that he seemed hardly human, and from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was even a man. I mean, it's like when you watch the videos, you watch The Passion of the Christ, it doesn't even do it justice. Couldn't even recognize, he was unrecognizable. You know, the Bible says that there's a price for sin, and it's death, and that's just, I don't know, that's amazing to me. He was pierced for my rebellion. He was crushed for my sins. God He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. God took all of our sin, all of our wickedness, and he put it on Jesus Christ. And in fact, so, but it says he was beaten. So he paid the ultimate price. Sickness and disease is ultimately even a product of sin. It's a curse in Deuteronomy 28 that comes from disobedience, that comes from sin. So just imagine that. He didn't just take like a little whipping. I mean, he was disfigured. He paid the total price, 100%, for me and for you. I'm thankful for that today, Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 23-24, he did not retaliate when he was insulted. Why? Because he's not a hypocrite, and he told us to be peacemakers. What does that mean? He didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for what is right. And by his wounds, you are healed. Hallelujah. So say his body. Jesus paid a price with his body. You know, what's amazing is that healing is absolutely a part of the atonement of Christ. Say the atonement. What that means is that there doesn't have to be any special prayer for healing. Atonement is just like salvation. Salvation is a part of the atonement of Jesus Christ. That means he already paid for it. We can have it. It's always God's will every single time for everybody to be saved. And how do you access salvation? By faith. Healing is the same thing. Guys, there's so many questions about, well, what's really God's will? What's not God's will? I can tell you one thing for certain by reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that healing is absolutely God's will. Are you guys with me? It's absolutely God's will when you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, when you examine the practice of the early church, when you look at Peter, when you look at Paul, when you look at all of it, it's absolutely God's will. He paid a price for us to be healed. Thank you, Lord. And that's why you're not in error. Uh, The same way 
whether you felt, because guys, how many, how many of you know, you don't feel saved all the time? Who's with me? Who feels saved all the time? Sarah does. Miss Sarah, I believe you. I actually do. But us younger guys and girls, we don't feel saved all the time. There's times that I'm like, I don't feel saved, but I know that I am saved. Why? Because the word tells me. I don't, you know, who, 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 whoever feels like they're not close to God? Anybody? No, just, just a few. I don't, you know what I mean? It's like this feeling that comes on you where, and obviously the more that you're transformed, you don't really have thoughts like that, but you know what I mean? You don't just feel like, man, I woke up today and I was in the glory immediately and I've just been in the glory of God all day long. I mean, literally, like I feel like I'm just sitting right at his throne right now. I mean, most people are like, no, actually I feel pretty normal. I feel like a natural man or woman living in a natural world, but yet I know the reality of my salvation where I can say, Lord, thank you that I am saved. Amen. Thank you that I am close to you. Your word says that, that your spirit join with my spirit to affirm that I'm your own child. Thank you, Father, that I am saved, that my sins have been forgiven, that I can come boldly before your throne. In the same way that I can say those things because of the atoning, atonement of Jesus Christ, I can also say, Lord, thank you that I'm healed because he paid a price for my healing. He was beaten so that I could be whole. He was whipped so that I could be healed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm feeling better just as I'm saying that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. So in a minute, when we, one thing I want you to do is I want you to examine a few things. We'll talk about that. But when you grab a hold of this bread, I want you to really just engage your faith. And I want you to thank God. Thank you, Lord, that I am healed. Thank you, Jesus. Every part of my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet is healed. It's, it's underneath the blood of Jesus. It's redeemed. You paid the price. Anybody believe that? Anybody thankful? Thank you, God. I'm not going to die of these Horrible things that are trying to plague the earth. No plague will come nigh my dwelling. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my body. Amen. So then it's in verse 25, it says, In the same way, he took the cup of wine after the supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. I mean, it's just amazing. I'm about to pay a price with my body. This was the night before he was taken into captivity. Tomorrow, I'm going to pay a price with my body. Never forget. Tomorrow, I'm going to shed my precious blood. Never forget forget every time you do every time you gather together loving one another in unity and you share this together i want you to remember what this represents what this means so it says the cup is the new covenant between god and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood 
It's pretty amazing because under the old covenant, how was their forgiveness received? By the blood of bulls and goats. But this was totally new. Now, this, this is something new. I don't think that, you know, we're all just a bunch of Gentiles in this room. None of us lived under the, you know, the Mosaic law and, when, and the Levitical law where they were sacrificing animals. And he's like, I'm about to shed my blood. These, this covenant I'm bringing you into, I'm going to pay the price. Okay. The blood does many things, but two things predominantly in the scripture that the blood does. Number one, the blood of Jesus was shed for the remission of my sins. Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood, which confirms, this was Jesus actually saying this in the gospel, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice. Whoa, sound like I just hit puberty again. As a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Ephesians 1.7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. Colossians 1.20-22. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Man, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Why? Because the blood of Jesus. You know, the Bible says that he is forever made perfect those that are being made perfect. That's just so amazing to me, guys, that I, we can have a relationship with God today. I mean, right now, I'm close. I, I can have an intimate relationship with my Father. The Holy Ghost will speak to me. He'll help me. He'll use me. He'll lead me. He'll guide me. Why? Because the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, God doesn't... This isn't... See, you got to be careful because there's kind of like a two-sided coin to this. If you're walking in fellowship with God, I truly do believe that God will always see you through the blood of Jesus. Like he does, it's like, because there's reality. He forever made perfect those that are being made perfect, those that are being sanctified, right? I got saved, now I got junk, I got flesh, I got John, I got life, I got to renew my mind, I got to work these things out. But yet in the midst of working those things out, I can come before him. Even if I miss it, and maybe I don't even know I'm missing it because of immaturity. Even if I miss it, I can come before him, and he doesn't see me through that fault. He sees me already perfect and mature in his sight because of the blood of Jesus. He already made me perfect. But on the flip side of that, you can't take that as a license to run and just go live in the world and say, well, I'll just continue to sin, 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 and run, 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 and live in carnality, and the blood of Jesus will just cover me. That's not true. The Bible, so it's kind of like this, this paradox. 
It's like as long as I belong to God, he sees me through the blood. But if I run off living that kind of life continually, I'm not talking about being sanctified and trying to follow the Lord and there's things being ironed out. I'm talking like I just totally forsake the gospel, forsake the word of God and go live my own path. Can you make a scriptural case that that person truly belongs to God? You know, I'm not the judge. I can't say, but I can say Jesus said you knew, you'll know trees by their fruit. You, you know, that the, there is a... The blood of Jesus, it's a real substance. It's powerful. It changes a person. Changes you. Man, I can tell you, I've been a knucklehead. I've been a knucklehead. I've been a knucklehead. But yet God's changed me and changed me and changed me all throughout my life. Because the blood of Jesus is a real thing. If you keep in that fellowship with God, you can't stay the same way. But if you're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sins. Revelation 1-7, look, he comes on the clouds of heaven with everyone, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will more. Oh, I don't know. That must be a miss, a miss verse there. So the blood of Jesus, number one, it, it, it was shed for the remission of our sins. Number two, to initiate a new covenant built on better promises. Hebrews 8, 6. But now Jesus, our high, pray, our high priest, has, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based off of better promises. Say better promises. See, one of the better promises is ultimately my right standing with God is based off of his blood and not based off of me. That's a pretty good promise. Because under the old covenant, it was based off of them. And what did they find out? They were, they couldn't, their righteousness was, fil was filthy rags. Right? That without faith, it was impossible to please God. But now we've been brought into a better covenant with better promises where now all of the promises of God we inherit because of the blood of Jesus. It's purified us and sanctified us and made us completely right in his sight. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. <clears throat> Are you guys going to be able to get that up in the Amplified? You got it. You got it. Yeah, you got the Bible, don't you? Okay. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, 15 through 22. It says, that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and his people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sin that they had committed under that first covenant. Man, I'm free. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. You are. We are. Now when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that that person who made it is dead. 
The will goes into effect only after that person's death. While that person who made it is still alive, they, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had, uh, had read each of God's commandments to all of the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant that God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled the blood on the tabernacle and everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now skip over to chapter 10, verse 8. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Amen. Once for all time. Say once for all time. Man, that's like such an amazing place. People feel like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Yes, none of us are, but the blood of Jesus made us good enough in God's eyes. There's so many reasons why we would say I'm disqualified from something. God's will was for us to be made holy. Say holy. That means God set you apart. He set me apart. He said they're mine once for all time. By the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin, good for all time. Man, that's amazing. You know what that means? That means I can keep coming back to it again and again and again. Praise God. It's not a license to sin. Amen. But the reality of it is, is that if he just did it once and it was only good for once, what happens if I miss it? What happens if I mess up? I blew it. I'm done. He only, he already used my one ticket, right? My one token and now it's over. But the fact that he did it once and it's good for all time, that means if I keep coming to him in faith, Amen. That blood is continually applied to my life. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice once for all time. Then he sat down in the right place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those that are being made holy. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what sanctification is. He forever made me perfect. Amen. Say this. Say, I'm perfect because of the blood of Jesus. Even though God's working some things out in me and through me. One more time. Say, I'm perfect because of the blood of Jesus. Even though God's working some things out in me 
and through me. Okay, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and then we're going to do this thing. But I wanted you to see that, the two main parts of the blood of Jesus, to forgive our sins and to bring us into a new covenant initiated by his blood with better promises. That's amazing. Somebody whistling? Oh, it was Tristan. (laughs) He's brought us into a better covenant full of better promises. Lord, I'm so thankful for the promises of God. Thank you, Jesus. I have... We have promises guaranteed to us by the blood of Jesus. Let's read through this in verse uh, 23. Let's read it in the Amplified. Go to verse 23. For I received from the Lord himself that that instruction which I passed on to you. This isn't the Amplified Classic, right? This is just the A.M.P. Okay. What I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is, this represents my body, which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. In the same way. So do this in affectionate remembrance. Say affectionate remembrance. Tonight, that's what I want you to do. As we do this, don't just, okay, praise God, it's time to go. Do this in affectionate remembrance of the atonement that was purchased for us. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in affectionate remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are symbolically proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. What are you, you're just stating, by his stripes I am healed. The blood of Jesus forgives my sin. The blood of Jesus brings me into a new covenant with better promises. That's what you're, that's, you're stating those facts when we do this. So it's important you understand this, Right? Because it doesn't make any sense if, if, in fact, it's actually scripturally air. That's why I wanted to have the kids in here tonight. And hopefully you kids, you're not just like, I know, if you, you know, you may think this is the bo- most boring thing on planet earth. But you need to listen to this. Because you need to understand what this is about. So tonight, kids, all the kids, I want you to look at me. When you take this, I want you to thank God and say, Lord, thank you that I'm healed. And then I want you to say, Lord, thank you that I'll be healed all the days of my life. And then when you drink this tonight, I want you to say, Lord, thank you that you shed your blood so that I could be forgiven. All my sins are forgiven. Come on, I want all the kids to say, all my sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. This blood means that I get to be close to you all the days of my life, that you'll never leave me or forsake me. So whoever, go back to verse 26. 
Till he comes again. Okay, go ahead. Verse 27. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that is unworthy of him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. But a person must prayerfully examine himself and his relationship to Christ. And only when he has done this, so should he eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without solemn reverence and heartfelt gratitude for the sacrifice of Christ. So I want you to think about that. So you're supposed to do this in reverence with a heart, like thankfulness of gratitude for the sacrifice of Jesus. This is the blood. This is what it means. This is the body. This is what it means. Eats and drinks judgment on himself if he does not recognize the body of Christ. Next verse. That careless and unworthy participation is the reason why many among you are weak, sick, and a number sleep in death. Here's the three things. So it says examine yourself. I did some digging. I did some into this. And basically I'm going to simplify it into three different areas. These are the three areas I want you to examine yourself and prepare your heart tonight. Number one, I want you to make sure that your heart is right with God. Make sure your heart is right with God. What do I mean by that? If there's any sin, what this is actually saying is, number one, if there's any sin in your life, unconfessed and unrepented of, do that before you do this. Are you with me? Get with the Lord. Get, do business with God and whatever that thing is. If you know, man, I've made a mistake that's hovering over my head that I have not repented of before the Lord, I'm going to get right with God in my heart before I partake of this. And then, and then I'm going to do this and thank him for forgiving me. When I drink that cup, I'm going to say, thank you, Lord, that your blood totally washes me and you remember this sin no more. And it's eradicated from my life as if it never even happened. Are you with me? So make sure your heart is right before the Lord. I want you to actually take a minute and even ask God, is there anything that, Lord, is there anything you're trying to deal with me about that I'm refusing, that I'm resisting? And then do business with God. Number two, make sure your heart is right before, with your fellow man. Remember, they were weak and sick and died because they, they were dishonoring the body of Christ. They were getting together. They weren't walking in love. They were totally missing the whole point of this. And so make sure your heart is right before your fellow man. There's many different things. Guys, listen, if you've sinned against somebody in this room, you know what you should do? Go apologize. In a minute, what we're going to do is the worship team's going to get back up here, and we're going to pray, and we're going to just worship and I'm going to release you to come and, and give some instruction in this. But if you've even sinned against somebody in this room, the Bible says you should go. Even He says before you offer your sacrifice on the altar, if somebody even has something against you, you should go make amends with that person. I'm being serious about this. Amen. What if there was somebody even in the church where you're like, I've been offended, I've been angry, I've been hurt. If you're mad at me, I'm sorry. I'll be on the stage. Just say it to the Lord and deal with me afterwards, all right? But go and, like, restore a relationship. Hey, I've, you know what? I've been offended and I repent. 
You know what? Because offense, what it'll do, it'll make you treat people weird. I got offended, and so because I've been offended at you, I actually haven't been walking in Christian love because of this offense. It's been making me act weird and awkward and like, ooh, stay away from me. I repent. Make sure that your heart is right before your fellow man. Guys, I'm being honest. These are things we take lightly. We want to overlook and disobey what he said, and then we're going to, oh, I'm going to run around healed, and I'm going to run around. And, and it's like the whole time we're like, but all the whole time, I'm actually refused to do what you're telling me to do, Lord. I've been offended and holding a grudge against this person for 25 years, but I'm going to be healed in Jesus' name. No, he's saying, Examine yourself. Make it right. No unforgiveness, no malice, no offense, no hatred. Make sure your heart is right before your fellow man. And then number three, receive communion by faith, believing for the benefits of the atonement. Healing, salvation, and right standing with God. Amen. Healing, salvation, in my right standing with God. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I'm going to need, let me get two people. Mr. Doc, can I get you? Can you come on up? Mr. Jack, can I get you? I want to serve, can you guys put a pad on or something for me real quick? I want to serve you guys, and then I want you to serve this to the church while we worship. Um, in the worship team. And so you guys can just take this back, and when you feel ready, I want you to do this. I want you to go examine. Um, I'll serve the worship team. This is the body of Christ, which is given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. Worship team, can I have you guys come on up? Now just come up here. I'm going to serve this is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ given for you, shed for you. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. This is the body of Christ given to you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.